Hi, I'm Steve Thomas, this is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music, but first a warning. This episode's music contains violence, paganism, child sacrifice, and perhaps Cacophony. One of the reasons Cacophony has its name is because throughout musical history, what we now consider pretty major pieces were dismissed by influential people as cacophony, just noise. This time we have a cacophonous piece, dismissed by the opera composer Giacomo Puccini, famous for Tosca, La Boheme and Madame Butterfly, as the work of a madman. The madman in question is Igor Stravinsky, and the work is the third of his three great early 20th century ballets written for Paris, The Rite of Spring. According to the plan, This episode gets released 110 years and one day after its premiere, which seems a good moment to talk about a piece of seismic power and intensity, and an event which may or may not have ended in a riot, may or may not have ended with the police being called, but where the aftershocks rumbled on and on for years. I think it's actually coming out a day late, so it's 110 years and two days, but who's counting? Perhaps the key thing about the Rite of Spring is that Unlike so many works misunderstood at their premiere, here the intention is to shock. piece intended to be barbaric, pagan. It's about people satisfying the gods of spring by choosing a young girl from the village and having a dance to death. And it's awesome. Perhaps the biggest challenge in 2023 is to retain the shock and awe in a piece now recorded by every conductor, sometimes on many occasions, and performed by every orchestra. Even I've played it, but doing so does remain one of the highlights of my musical life. Stravinsky's Rite of Spring is a landmark. There's so much written about it, so many videos about it, including films of Stravinsky himself talking about it. So many performances, so many views, takes, myths. I could easily spend a whole year learning about nothing else and produce this podcast for the 111th anniversary instead. But hey, let's crack on. Since 1909, Serge Diaghilev's Ballet Russe Company had been wowing Paris audiences with a mix of the finest dancers on their company breaks from ballet in St. Petersburg, the latest Russian shows and new commissions, with the hottest talent providing sets, costumes and so on. Stravinsky had had a massive hit with the Firebird in 1910, and then interrupted work on his next commission, The Rite of Spring, to compose Petrushka, which we spoke about on Cacophony a few episodes ago. They're both tremendous pieces, especially Petrushka, but it's the right that has all the mythology surrounding it. In part because Diaghilev, who'd commissioned it, and Stravinsky were both shrewd businessmen and showmen, as well as great creators, and they were happy to mythologise. So it is that Igor Stravinsky would have us believe that the right of spring, Le Sac de Printemps, was somehow channelled rather than written, with no theory and no tradition. I heard, and I wrote what I heard, he said. I am the vessel through which Le Sac passed. And this feels like it could be true, because the music feels somehow primordial, as if it emerges spontaneously from the earth. 
At the opening we hear the first shoots bursting into life after a long, harsh winter. There are the noises of birds and animals. It's like the dawn of life itself. And yet, actually, the opening bassoon tune is based on a folk song, taken from the Baltic region where the Stravinsky's had a country holiday house, and where since childhood he'd enjoyed watching villagers doing traditional songs and dances of the region. And it's not just the opening. Essentially, despite the strangeness, everything in the Riot of Spring is derived from folk song. But Stravinsky wants it to sound primitive, so he does things with this cutting-edge orchestra to create that effect by, for example, giving solos to unusual instruments and or well beyond their comfort zones. Not least that opening bassoon solo, where at the premiere, the celebrated composer Camille Saint-Saëns had to ask his neighbour what instrument was even playing. And that high bassoon solo was pretty much the point on the first night where things started to get a bit unruly. By the time the curtain came up at the month-old Théâtre de Champs-Élysées, there was widespread muttering, and once the dancing began, a far cry from normal ballet, with peasant costumes, knocked knees, and hands clasped on tilted faces, it went from mutters to shouts. Call a doctor. No, call a dentist. Diaghilev had visited Stravinsky while he was writing it, and Stravinsky had played the most famous moment from near the opening on the piano. Diaghilev had only one question. Is it going to be like this for very long? Until the end, my dear, Stravinsky replied. He recalled that Diaghilev was then silent. He knew that Stravinsky meant it. So some in the audience were shouting down the music, and others were shouting in support. It got so loud that the dancers couldn't hear the music at all, and the choreographer had to shout out the steps from the wings. Was there actual violence? Were the police actually called? No one seems to know for sure. 
the hyperbole around the event and the fact that there are more eyewitness accounts from people who claim to be there than the theatre could hold means it's impossible to know. The dancers, who didn't like the piece in any case, thought it a disaster, but the opening night fracas served to give the piece notoriety, and I guess there's no disaster if it's all people are talking about. The Rite of Spring is in two parts, each just over a quarter of an hour, each part ending in a thrilling climax. In part one, the adoration of the earth, various dances and rituals culminate in a procession of elders and a sage, and a final terrific dance of the earth. In a curious detail, the entire orchestra plays a short note to end part one, except for a lone Wagner tuba, a brass instrument somewhere between a horn and a trombone. And you hear it playing this rising scale, and then it overshoots everyone to leave us hanging slightly over the edge of the cliff face. In part two, The Sacrifice, young girls dance before one is randomly selected by fate. The ancestors are invoked, and there's more ritual before the chosen one dances to death in front of the elders. One of the great things for me about The Rise of Spring is that every time you hear it, you hear something for the first time. Stravinsky, at Diaghilev's request, wrote for a huge orchestra, ideally 104 players, and he uses it fully. There's simply so much going on, often at the same time. Yes, it's violent, raw, frenzied, but there are moments of quiet too, of almost magical mystery and intensity, of almost total stasis. My favourite moments are just snatches of the action, really. I really love the few bars of antique symbols near the start, maybe solely because I sat close to them when we played it. There's a passage for the horns, which makes me think of a pack of running dogs, enjoying their running and aliveness and being in a pack. This moment somehow delights in the sheer energy of being alive, and the sheer delight of being a horn player. And then there's this moment where the violin chord shimmers into your consciousness in the right conductor's hands, something that you don't always hear. The Rite of Spring remains one of the ultimate challenges. Delivering all that is asked requires huge skill and concentration. It takes total control to sound so out of control, and great skill to balance the violence and the nuance. There are so many different ways to perform it, and each conductor will bring out something different. 
So let's have a listen. Click on the link in the show notes for a complete performance, and then feel free to listen to it again played by someone else. There are a few pieces that will reward you more for listening to more than one version. Don't forget to tell me what you think. You can leave a simple voice message or a comment at cacophonyonline.com. Check out the notes for other ways to support Cacophony, either by sending a bit of money to keep us going, or sharing the podcast with someone you know. Come back for more next time, and thanks for listening.